Good morning. I'm Adele Campbell, and I will be reading the scripture this morning. The scripture is taken from, from John, verse 20, 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord away out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Women, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, 
because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of Christ. Well, you know, the chaos before uh, the service with all of the children finding their eggs was somewhat different than the first Easter, a little less chaotic, but I think the joy involved is probably about the same, at least when it finally sunk in. Um, it's, uh, it's our first Easter egg hunt, so it seemed to go well. <laughs> Let us pray. When the world cried out from the depths of the pit, O Lord, you answered our prayer, not in the way that we would have it or the way we imagined it, but in a way true to yourself. You sent Christ to the deepest pit, and you have pulled us out and shown us the glorious, beautiful, life-giving sunshine of your love. We pray that through these words, these human words, your living word might be heard, that your light shines and dispels our darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Atlantic Monthly recently published a piece by Carolyn Mims Nice, titled, Please Get Me Out of Dead Dog TikTok. Please Get Me Out of Dead Dog TikTok. TikTok, for those unfamiliar, I mean, we have a range of ages here, so it's possible. But TikTok is a social media site where users share videos ranging from three seconds to 10 minutes. It's one of the most popular sites in the world with over 100 million users in North America alone. With the average user spending an hour and 25 minutes on the app daily, the United States, I think, is moving towards banning TikTok, but that's, that's not really the point. Um, the success of TikTok has often been attributed to its algorithm, its algorithm, its programmed ability to show you stuff you want to see to keep you coming back to the app to see it. For those of you unfamiliar with dead dog TikTok, it's made up of videos of pet owners sharing their dog's last days, or their sadness following their death, or even the specific moment they decided to put their pet down. It's heart-wrenching, especially for those of us who've lost a beloved family pet, hence the name dead dog TikTok. Well, for many, it's become a way to 
way to share feelings and to process them for some, it's become for many others a source of intensified sadness. Because all thanks to that successful algorithm, TikTok just feeds you more and more of these videos. Engage with one, the author says, or even just watch it to completion, and you may be served another, and another, and another, and another, and suddenly you're stuck in a corner of TikTok you'd rather not see. It causes users to feel stuck, because instead of finding consolation or moving on, they dwell on these feelings, they linger on them, and often the feeling gets worse. As such, TikTok's algorithms have people stuck on what NICE calls a viral grief loop. A viral grief loop. You end up hooked in and hooked into the, onto the grief. You'd like to pull yourself out, but like quicksand, the more you struggle, the deeper and deeper in you go. Now, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm like one of those dads now, so I'd love to blame TikTok and social media companies for ruining us entirely, like we were, we were spotless and perfect, and then they just came along and, and they ruined everything, and there was nothing wrong with us before, uh, but it's their fault. Um, I would, I would love to do that, and I probably do it to my kids all the time. Ah, it's these computers these days. Uh. But the one thing I would say is that they haven't entirely invented this problem. Though they may have kind of intensified it, though they may have distilled or concentrated it, being stuck in a viral grief loop is not anything new. It's not even strange to us. There's a more obvious grief, the, the death of someone we love. Or think about the end of a marriage or the loss of a job or a career where we get stuck on a loop of regret, wishing things had turned out better. Or it's something that we've done to someone or something somebody else did to us. We just keep running through it in our head. We just keep living it over and over. Our memories kind of keep just serving us the next clip over and over and rather than getting better sometimes these things just get worse and overtake us we get stuck on a loop of shame or there's the weight of all these huge global problems you know the problems of addiction climate change war this and that or that political issue getting worse and not getting better we just keep getting fed stories and clips that just keep reaffirming the worst. So we get stuck in a loop of helplessness or despair. The viral grief loop isn't anything new. In fact, it's a regular, consistent part of life. One of the least pleasant things about it, I'll wager. Grief, shame, pain, trauma, these always have a way of pulling us in and not letting us go. The viral grief loop is not anything new. There's nothing new under the sun, says the book of Ecclesiastes. Now at this point you may be wondering, what does all this have to do with Easter Sunday? Nice talk, Pastor. Uh, you know, I'll take that home with me and, you know, go back on TikTok and... Well, Easter. Easter. 
spells the end of the grief loop we call human life. Easter spells the end of the grief loop we call human life. In our story, Jesus was executed three days ago on Friday. Now it's Sunday, still dark. Jesus' friends, Mary Magdalene, Peter, and an unnamed disciple, the beloved disciple, arrive first. A race to his tomb, Peter and the unnamed disciple arrive first. They peer in, but it's empty. Nothing but a pile of rags. When Mary arrives, though, she doesn't peer into the tomb at first. She kind of stays outside by the doorway, and, and she weeps. I mean, she weeps, she cries, she breaks down, and she cries. I mean, think of it. This guy shows up, knows everything about you, performs these incredible signs and wonders. People say he's the Messiah, the one sent to set the world right, and it all ends in his brutal death on a cross. All your hopes and dreams crushed, the prospect of a whole new world dashed, ancient promises going yet unfulfilled again, and compound this with the fact that this guy was your friend. He was your good friend. Combine that all together and you've got a recipe for grief. The world as we know it, with its evil, its violence, its heartache and disappointment, just keeps spinning on as usual. Weeping doesn't begin to describe this kind of despair. Mary's caught in that viral grief loop. She's so deep in, in fact, that she can't even see when that loop's been broken. She peers inside the tomb, finally, and the body's not there. I mean, just a couple of angels, you know, and it doesn't seem like she even skips a beat. There are just a couple of angels in there. You know, no biggie. And they ask her, why are you weeping? And she responds that somebody's robbed the grave and taken the body of her Lord away. I mean, of course, that's the only logical answer to why he's not there. Reality itself is a loop after all, a cycle, you know, um, the circle of life, you know, we all learn that from the Lion King. It just keeps going. Somebody dies, they stay dead. Endless cycle of human life over and over again. That's just the cosmic algorithm, I guess. Somebody must have stolen the body. It's the only logical explanation. But somebody didn't steal the body, apparently. Somebody didn't steal the body. You know, she kind of steps back from the tomb. She turns around. And there's this guy just standing there. It's probably the gardener. After all, it's, again, only rational explanation. Like the angels, this guy asks her, hey, why are you weeping? Why so down? Who are you looking for? Sir, she says, if, look, if you've put his body somewhere, just tell me and I'll just, I'll just take him away. Just, I just want to give him a proper burial. Again, only plausible explanation. And of course, you heard the scripture reading, the spoilers out there, you know. You heard the scripture reading, this guy isn't a cemetery employee at all. The guy standing before her is Jesus himself. 
the one who went to the cross and said he'd rise again, has risen. The body wasn't stolen, it's been raised, but she just can't see it because she's caught in that loop. The closed system we call human life, where grief is grief, shame is shame, sadness is sadness, death is death. Life keeps feeding it to you again and again and again. She can't see him, though Jesus is right in front of her face. Mary can't see Jesus because she's caught up on dead Messiah TikTok and can't get out. There's no way out. There's no way out. But there is a way in. There is a way in. And it comes on the lips of Jesus. Mary, Jesus says. Mary. He speaks her name. And suddenly she sees him. Rabbi, she says, teacher. It's a word from Jesus that breaks the spell, that reaches inside that loop like this uninvited pop-up ad, one that addresses her by name. There may be no way out, but with this simple word, the risen Christ makes a way in and breaks the cycle. It's Jesus who reaches in and brings her back to life and opens her eyes to life outside the loop. And that's because in the death and resurrection of Jesus, God has entered into the loop of grief we call human life. On the cross, he's jammed a spoke in the wheel of suffering and sadness and injustice. And in raising him from the dead, God has pulled all of creation to himself, interrupting and altering the brutish, hellish algorithm we call sin, death, and decay forever. His word opens Mary's eyes to see a life and a world beyond her grief and her pain and her hopelessness. And because he's been raised from the dead, it means the world's a whole new and different place, one where the circle has been broken. It's a world of healing and possibility and hope, even joy in the midst of it all. Easter is the end of the grief loop we call human life. Easter is the end. Now, I know not everybody here this morning comes with a robust Christian faith. I mean, half of us come with none half the time. I know that we live in a time where transcendent reality is easy to be written off, that God is more often than not peered at with a sideways glance. I know it's so much easier to be cynical, and I know that it's so much harder to look at the state of our world and our lives and think that they could be anything but the way they are. But just imagine, for a moment, if it were true. Just imagine, for a moment, if it were true. Just imagine that Easter is true. Why are you weeping? What darkness clings to your spirit that you can't, just can't seem to shake? What sticks to your soul that you can't seem to slough off? What cycle has you stilted, stunted, and stumbling for relief? Imagine it's all coming undone. Imagine it all being 
overcome. Imagine every wrong made right. Imagine every tear wiped away. Imagine every sin blotted out, every wound healed. Imagine the, in the immortal words of Sam Gamgee from The Lord of the Rings that everything sad is becoming untrue. Imagine that everything sad is becoming untrue. Because if Jesus has risen from the dead, then it has. Then it will. Then it already has begun. So may you, dear friends, this Easter morning, may you hear that same word delivered on the first Easter morning. May the voice of the Creator reach through your ears, busting past those cynical defenses and disappointments and grab hold of your heart. May you be awakened to the astounding good news that because Christ is risen, the grief loop of life has been short-circuited. Because Christ is risen, that cycle of sin and despair and death and hatred has been broken. Because Christ is risen, it means that everything sad is becoming untrue. Just imagine that it's true. Just imagine. Because thank God Almighty it is. We have seen the Lord. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And amen.